This is SBR, the people's pod, giving you unfiltered, unqualified content every week. We're back. I'm Cliff. He's Joe. What's up, everybody? What's up? Yeah, there you go. Hello. See, you got to be hyped. You got to be hyped for the beginning. What's up? Joe, we cracked 1,000 listens. (laughs) Pretty crazy. I was shocked when we got to 100 listens. I couldn't believe we even got 100 people to actually listen. I am so I was surprised. Yeah, pretty surprising. Uh, but people still listening to the law of LeBron. That's getting a lot of hype and you know pretty topical <laughs> with the state th- of the Lakers today. I think as the season goes on, you know, our, our, our episodes have aged pretty well, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of what we're going for, right? We're kind of going for long form, but the yeah, long form pod long form medium doing deeper dives into the nba right yeah and and a lot of people do quick snapshots about lebron and the quick headline always is his stat line and his quick headline is his physicality and things like that right but you don't really look deeper into the advanced metrics or the advanced psychology of it and when we do bad things happen (laughs) it just seems like the more time passes the more our earlier hot takes they just seem like regular takes now steph curry is the best player in the nba the bucks are going to the finals (laughs) Giannis is is looking like to me he's looking like the next kind of generational talent the clippers are somehow gonna they're most likely going to be out of the playoffs, but they might back their way into the playoffs. <laughs> they look like they're, they're probably going to make it. Because they can't now, but... do anything. They can't even tank right. <laughs> the Lakers are supposed to have made it and take the Clippers spot, but apparently they can't even do that because the law of LeBron is even stronger than we thought. <laughs> wow. It's like when we when we first came out with that episode... You know, a lot of people are thinking, oh, come on, guys. Get out of here with this. Get out of here with this LeBron hate. What are you talking about? He's always made his teammates better. You know what, though? We've never really hated LeBron. We've hated the media's bias towards LeBron and the fans that eat up that. I I think LeBron is a generational talent. Top three player I've ever seen. Like the things that he does on the court, I am I am amazed and shocked by. But there are obvious flaws that we have seen and have picked up on, and we're we're just like raising an eyebrow at why people weren't calling those things out. Why do we turn a blind eye? It's crazy. Even now, even after Kyle Kuzma literally had to push him. To play defense, literally push him. Even after now, the Lakers are what? I mean, their record with LeBron. You know, at one point it was like, oh, but they're t- they were twenty and fourteen before he got. But I mean, now at this point, I mean, we're sub five hundred. Even with LeBron, all the games he's played in, and all our really bad losses post break have come with him on the court. I mean, let's just get into it. All right. Let's so you know, LeBron is unhappy and. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about the unhappiness of NBA players these days. Um, but we got to start with Blaze Pizza. <laughs> I mean, blame pizza. <laughs> Come on, that's pretty smart, right? 
Because LeBron's Blaze Pizza. Blaze. Blaze. Pizza. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, it's hard to it's hard to see in your mind's eye. But you know, like blame, like you know, how people do blame pies, but we're not yeah. really pie people. We're more pizza people, and yeah. so we decided to do a blame pizza. But <laughs> as Cliff pointed out, as Cliff so cleverly <laughs> pointed out, LeBron owns Blaze Pizza, so Blaze. <laughs> How many how many how many slices do you think he's eating at that? How many slices? <laughs> oh, he's gonna eat some pizza today. We're gonna What's shove your... some we're gonna shove some blazing pizza down his throat right now. What's your what's the best delivery pizza? Delivery pizza? Delivery pizza. What's the best? Delivery. delivery mainstream what, what mainstream oh, okay, delivery okay. Pizza. like pizza hut pizza domino's, hut domino's papa john's, papa john's little caesars is that it are those the four little you can't be little caesars five hour pizza box <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude i don't know just grab a little caesars you know domino's two pizzas two <laughs> toppings Five dollars each, ten bucks. Two oh, pizzas. Shoot. If you can get Domino's for five bucks, then Dude. <laughs> then I'm jumping I'm jumping off Little Caesars. I'm going to Domino's. <laughs> or how about Blazem Pizza? <laughs> nah, dude. Blazem Pizza is overpriced. <laughs> Blazem Pizza is overrated. They're talking about blazing pizza like it's the greatest pizza of all time. It's not. <laughs> Why well, have New York pizza when you could have blazing pizza? <laughs> I was gonna ask you what you think is what's or what's the best pizza you had in New York when you were living in New York? Uh, you know Joe's Pizza I always really liked, um, but the best one was Defara's, which was deep in Brooklyn. Defara's is run by the same dude and he's still the chef and he's been making pizzas for I think over 30 years at the same place and you know it's just really good New York style pizza he makes them by hand he pours olive oil on it he breaks the basil himself and he cooks it's really slow it took an hour for me to get my pizza but that's because he makes them one by one wow an hour yeah it took an hour and it was worth it uh it took a 45 minutes to get there from Manhattan and then an hour to get the pizza. So it was basically two hour wait. Wow. No, it was not <laughs> worth it. I see. Here's the thing. As I've gotten older, I don't think waiting is worth it. I, I am way more willing to pay for convenience now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like <laughs> Uber pool. No, thanks. I'm making Uber regular because I don't yeah. want to pick up this other person. And then have him be dropped off at the terminal before me. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I just want to talk about pizza. I don't want to talk about freaking <laughs> Well, but, uh, I'm all about Little Caesars. Let's shove some Little Caesars pizza down LeBron's blazing throat. So who is responsible for the Lakers' demise this season? The failure that is the 2019 Los Angeles Lakers – who is to blame? Let's go with the 
suspects. Suspect group one. Magic Johnson and Rob Palinka. Suspect, suspect group two, Jeannie Buss. Suspect group three, Luke Walton and the coaching staff. Suspect group four, the one-year contract veterans. Hmm. Suspect group five. Did I say five? <laughs> the young players. Suspect group six, the media. Hmm. And the final suspect. One more. LeBron James. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Forgot about that one. <laughs> so so let's start with Magic and Rob. The front office. Uh, I'm just going to recount their moves for you. Okay. Uh, Rob and Magic were hired in March of 2017. So it's been a little over two years since they've joined the squad. Here are their signature moves since then. They drafted Lonzo number two. They traded, they traded the number 28 pick and got Josh Hart and Thomas Bryant. They traded D'Lo and Mozgov, got Kuzma and Brooke. They signed KCP. They signed Bogut. They traded Clarkson and Nance for Fry, Isaiah Thomas, and the number 25 pick, which ended up being Mo Wagner. They drafted Sfi at 47. They let Randall and Brooke walk. They signed LeBron James. They signed KCP, Rondo, Beasley, McGee, Lance. They stretched Luol Deng. They signed Tyson Chandler, and they traded Zubak for Muscala. Two years, those are all of the Magic and Rob moves. So just to kind of sum up all of those things, I think there are five bad moves, four questionable moves, and two good moves. The two good moves are trading number 28, getting Josh Hart, Thomas Bryant, and drafting Sfi at number 47. uh, An NBA player in the second round is pretty good. The five bad moves, KCP and Bogut, Randall and Brooke walking, signing LeBron, KCP, Rondo, Beasley, McGee, Lance, Wait, signing Tyson Chandler. To be clear, you're, you're putting signing LeBron, signing LeBron James as a bad move. Uh, that's, okay, that's, fi- that's, <laughs> that's fair. I should split those. I, I, I split those out when I said it. That's a good move. <laughs> That's wait, good. wait, but I'm like convinced. I'm having to convince you that that was a good move. <laughs> well, knowing everything we know, we, we're basically cratering the entire franchise. <laughs> but here's the reason why signing LeBron is still a good move is because he has value. Right. He still has value. We can trade him. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm at. I, I don't think that's a yeah man I'm not gonna say signing LeBron was a bad move. No, it's it's the it's the signature move of Rob and yeah Matt. yeah it's the signature move. It's the thing they should most get credit for. Yeah, if anything. So, how do we want to do this? Do we want to do we want to give them their percentage of the blame, or should we list out all the evidence against the suspects? No, let's give them their percentage now. Yeah. Rob and Magic, how much pizza do they get? <laughs> um, so I say two slices out of 10 slices, 20%. 20%. I have them also two slices out of 10. They get, <laughs> they have a big part in what's going on here. Uh, you know, 
I, I don't give them as much flack for trading D'Lo because they got Kuzma, right? right? I think it's kind of a kind of a wash, in my opinion. Uh, people are mad that they they traded D'Lo. Come on, man. D'Lo was the same the next season after. He took a leap this season, but he still gets benched for Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> still, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, Brooklyn's not as hot as they were earlier in the season, so... No, they're, they're great. And and D'Lo backed into being an all-star because they had 10 all-stars. And the two, they were like, who do we pick? I don't know. We should pick in the East. They're thinking of revamping the entire all-star system so they pick the best 24 players because D'Lo had to be an all-star. <laughs> did, did D'Lo have so many tattoos when he was with the Lakers? No, no. He got a lot of ink. You know what's interesting? He was deloading, but then he got a tattoo that says now. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's clever. <laughs> oh, come on. It's clever. Come on. It's in the font of a like a uh, like a digital clock now. You should have got a status bar, you know? <laughs> and like filled it in a little bit each year. <laughs> <laughs> like now that is a tattoo like, worth getting like a little bit here and then his career is going on and he fills it in a little bit more when he sucks he has to reduce it he has to get it removed <laughs> he has to get laser he has to laser remove he has to laser remove it if he doesn't make the all-star team next year he's going to erase some of it come a little bit back Come on. How great is that tattoo? Come on. That's genius, right? I just I just thought of that. That's really good. It's a really good tattoo. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> calling tattoo artist. <laughs> they walk in and I just tell them, you know what you need? You need a status bar on your back. <laughs> Every time you do something good, add a bar to that. Every time you make a mistake, tattoo removal. <laughs> that's how you, that's how you get it for life. You're just making money off of them. It's recurring revenue right there. <laughs> that's your business model. That's <laughs> just D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> but letting Brooke walk and Randall walk when they signed basically one-year deals elsewhere and getting Rondo and KCP and Beasley and McGee and Lance, that's really weird. Really right. strange. Um, trading Zubak for Muscala? Huh? Yeah. What? I don't know. Um, uh, it, I think the jury is still out on whether they're a good front office, but they have a large portion to blame for this year's failure at well, how come you only give them 20 percent uh i have i think that i think there is a large spread of blame to be shared okay um but i have them as the second largest contributor to <laughs> this problem right at 20 percent. i mean for me i i think i understand their moves i understand why they made all the moves Right, why they drafted Lonzo. I think I don't even blame them for that because it's not like people were super high on like Tatum or Donovan Mitchell. 
And then, like you said about the D'Lo Mozgov thing, it's like we had to get rid of Mozgov. We got Kuzma back, so that's fine. All the other stuff, basically, I just connected to LeBron, right? Why did they sign KCP? Because he's with LeBron's agency, and we thought that would give us a better chance of getting LeBron. Um, why did we let Randall and Brooke walk? Because we thought we needed the money for another max free agent, you know, and we didn't end up getting that. You know, we, and that was another drawing piece to get LeBron. We thought if we had like Randall on our books, we just resigned him, then it would be harder to get LeBron. And I understand that stuff, you know, and LeBron probably didn't want it. Why do we sign Rondo, Beasley, McGee, Lance? LeBron signed off on those guys. You know, we had LeBron when we got those guys. And I know that people in the media are trying to spin it so that it's like, oh, no, that was those were front office moves. And maybe LeBron had some. No. Okay, first of all, if you look at the free agent market, it's not like there were a bunch of guys. How many guys were willing to come on one-year contracts? You know, probably not a lot of guys. I know people are like, oh, they should have got shooting. You should Who Who's out there that was a shooter that would have signed a, a one-year deal? You know, like, it's ridiculous that I, I don't understand why there's so many people saying these things and putting these things on the front office. It's clear to me. I think people are getting the sense that I'm going to give LeBron a good size of this. <laughs> good chunk of this pizza but it's clear to me that all of these moves getting tyson chandler trading zubats from Ascala, the only reason that they would do that is to free up a roster spot because we thought we would get somebody on the buyout market but we couldn't even get that because we were looking so bad and nobody wanted to play with lebron so i mean to me everything makes sense once we got lebron that's when we made all of the bad moves to get lebron and once we had lebron but I still give them this much blame because they should not have just done everything that LeBron wanted. That's why I give them the blame because right. uh, obviously someone's signature is all over these. But to be a good front office, you don't cater to anybody. You right. just you just lay out your plan and execute your plan and your vision. If you succumb to the pressure of your star player, the media, anybody, you're failing as a front office. And and here's something that people fail to bring up whenever they talk about LeBron. I feel like people have forgotten already, but LeBron, his most successful stretch of his career was in Miami. Correct. Right. And like it's like people don't see that or they don't remember it somehow. He was positioned to win three championships in a row. Right? Let's be clear about that. 2011, they should have won. He was positioned to win four in a row. Uh, I don't know about the 2014. Uh, I, I don't know. It's questionable. He had a good chance. I mean, it was tough. I think because um, Dwayne Wade was kind of like he was hurt. Yeah. Jeannie Buss. She hired Magic Johnson. She hired Rob. She's been loyal to Luke, and she's not a hands-on hands-on basketball owner like Mark Cuban. How much pizza, blazem pizza, does she get? <laughs> Zero. I give her not even. I, I give her nothing. She doesn't have to eat one pepperoni, <laughs> one little, one little piece of cheese. I like nothing because I think she has all she's done is position people 
put them in a position to succeed. I do look. She said the one dumb thing recently, right? The Sloan, the thing that she said at the Sloan conference about like yep. fake news and all that stuff. And look, that's that's dumb. I'm just gonna give her a pass because she hasn't created any of this, and she hasn't. You know, I feel like backing Luke was the right move. It puts Luke in a position to succeed. I I feel like hiring Magic and Palinka and letting them do the job and not getting in their way. That's the right thing to do. You know, praising LeBron when he comes and and everything that's happened, just being a positive force. I feel like that's all the right stuff to do. She's trying to create the right culture, so I don't give her any blame. I give her one percent, as any good leader does. You got to take some blame. She hired these people. She empowered them, as you said. But every good, you know, healthy owner empowers people to make decisions and failures. And if they do fail, that's on you too. Uh, does she get a lot of blame? No. Uh, but does she get some blame? She must because you're a part of it. That's true. You know what? I agree with you. I give her 0.1%. <laughs> Luke Walton and the coaching staff. You know, Luke Walton's rotations have come into question. Uh, D'Lo and Randall Surgents outside of him. His failure to coach LeBron. 26 wins, 35, 35 wins, and potentially 30 wins in his three-year coaching history. How much blame is on Luke Walton? I give Luke 5%. 5%. Half a slice of pizza. Okay. He's on a diet. He's on a diet. <laughs> I think Luke, I mean, I think a lot of this, the reason that the season got derailed was stuff that was basically outside of his control. Uh, injuries were one of the things that made it difficult. I think the team was constructed strangely in the first place. They didn't have shooting, like everyone said. Um, the Just the, the personalities were kind of weird. Um, you know, I, I mean, I give him some blame. I think some of the rotations were weird sometimes and some late game situations, there are like situations where I feel like they should have gotten something out of a timeout or, you know, like, like there will be times where they would come out of timeouts and then turn it over, you know, and I give him some of that blame, but I have to say, even with that, cause some people were criticizing, I think some of his play calling and his substitution patterns, but part of the reason, honestly, again, goes back to LeBron because he would come out of a timeout and turn it over. Or like the Phoenix game, he would get exactly what they wanted, which was uh, a chance at a layup or get fouled and go to the foul line. And then he would miss two free throws. And so I think it's really hard for a head coach to do a good job if you don't have the backing of the front office because you have no teeth when you go to your players, particularly when you have a star player like LeBron James, he's not going to listen to anything you say, especially if he's one of your contemporaries. When you were in the NBA and you weren't that great of a player, you know, so I think just that's a tough situation to be in. He wasn't hired to do this job. This wasn't, you know, what they sold him on. And he wasn't even hired by these guys. So 5%. I think I, I also give him 5%. Uh, and it has less to do with the actual rotations and all these things and more to do with not being big enough for the moment. I know all the forces are against you. Like you said, the front office is against you. They're counting down the days till they fire you. Uh, LeBron is against you. Right. right. Uh, the, the team that is built was poorly constructed. Uh, 
Um, but if you're going to go out, you should go out swinging and you do it your way, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to trying to save your job. You know, because I think the way he's trying to save his job, the fool's goal that all LeBron coaches do <laughs> is they they just say whatever you want, right? Oh, yeah, we'll get KCP in there. He's your guy. We'll get Lance in there. We'll get Rondo in there. That, these are your guys. Like, let's, let's make sure that you're running with the guys that you want to run with as opposed to him knowing that developing the young players and getting the young players a lot of time is the way to succeed in the future, right? But he's balancing his job and what he knows is right. And right now what he knows is right is losing. And that's why I give him 5% of the blame is that he's not spotless in, he, di- he, he wasn't big enough for the moment. And that's the biggest blame that I give him was that he wasn't able to overpower and overstep and overcome. Here's the thing though. I don't know if anyone is able to, <laughs> Okay. The one-year vets, JaVale McGee, Rajon Rondo, Michael Beasley, Lance Stevenson, KCP. How much blame do they get? 1%. (laughs) 1% blame. I mean, honestly, they're mercenaries. Yeah. They're signed for one year. I mean, they got to basically look out for themselves. I understand Look, there there has to be some kind of sense of team. There has to be some kind of sense of, hey, even if it's just for one year, hey, I'm committed to this team. I want to do my best. I want to put the team in a position to succeed. But again, it's like if the star player doesn't set that example, if he's not doing it, then why should I do it, right? I think for a lot of the, the year, earlier in the year, like look at JaVale, right? Remember at the beginning of the season, JaVale's like hustling. He's blocking shots. He's like run. He's, he's, he's playing hard. He's playing with a a lot of effort. He's like chasing down guys. And yeah, he's not a great positional defender, but he's doing all the things that he can. He's having a career year. Yeah. Rondo was, you know, playing well, he was buying into the system and Rondo is a notoriously, well, he can be very good or very bad, but he's had plenty of stops where he was more disruptive in a locker room, right? Than good. But it seemed like he was a good locker room guy. He's trying to coach up the young guys. You And you would see him. He would gather guys in huddles, right? Especially towards the end of games where he would close them out, right? Like Golden State, the Golden State game. Basically, Rondo was the one who closed it out after uh, LeBron got hurt. He was running the floor. All the young guys were listening to him and respecting him. Now he's sitting in the, <laughs> the weird seats. But I don't really blame him, honestly, because it's just... It's a dumpster fire now, and uh, you know, at this point right now, I don't really blame anyone for anything that they're doing because it's already ex- like the nuke has already gone off. So if you're just trying to get out of the city, I'm not gonna be mad at you. You know what I mean? I give them fifteen percent. That's a lot, man. It's a lot. Here, here's why. Here's why. If you're trotting out LeBron James and these guys, you're gonna lose. <laughs> I don't care who's with them, Jordan. You're going to lose. But why are you blaming them then? Because they suck. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I see. So this is more simple. (laughs) This is really simple. This has no psychology to do with it. These guys are terrible, right? These guys are terrible basketball players. They're playing a lot of minutes for the Lakers. That's a lot of negative points that are going on the floor. 
So it this has less to do with the psychology and more to do with if if they're there and they're on the floor, they're gonna suck. <laughs> Wait, but you but so you're blaming them for just being themselves, yes. <laughs> but it's Yes. No, look, is they're a part fair? they're a part I mean... They're a part of the failure. They are. They're on the court and sucking. Being themselves. They're on the court and being themselves. But if they do what you expect them to do, can you blame them? Yes. If I ex- <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So, I mean, you get them and then you... I don't know. I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's fair. <laughs> Here's the other thing, right? So, wait. If you, if you buy a pizza... And it tastes exactly like a pizza. Can you blame it? I mean, can you be upset at it? How about if you get a pizza, you know it's going to suck. You eat it and you still get mad that it sucks. It's like, why did I do this to myself? That's kind of what it's like. But then you should blame yourself, not the pizza. Hmm. You should shift that 15% over to Magic and Rob then. I will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll do. I'll, I'll move some of it, but here's the other thing, right? They are also brought on to be veteran locker room leaders, tough guys. But instead of deferring to the young guys, they wanted it for themselves because they're in mercenary contract years. Now, should Ma- Magic and Rob have known about that? Sure, but they also didn't play the part that they said they would play. Sure, some of it's on them. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, that I can accept. Yeah, young young guys: Ingram, Kuzma, Lonzo, Hart. And the fallen Zubox. R.I.P., my friend. <laughs> How much do the young guys get blamed? Just 1% from me again. Mm. I mean, I don't know what they're supposed to do. I, and I get really frustrated that the media keeps saying that, oh, these young guys, like, they were so damaged. And they're like, they need to step up. It's It's crazy. Like, what do you mean? They're they're playing well. Like, like they're doing their job. I feel like they're all they've all improved. Ingram, 18-5-3-1-1-50%. He's improved. Kuzma, 19-6-3-1-47%. He's improved. Basically, I mean, these guys are improving in basically basically every category. I mean, Ingram maybe not quite in assists. He was 16-5-4-1-1 last year on 47%. He's shooting better, shooting more efficiently. He's scoring more. You know, and he's he's like putting an effort. And post-All-Star, like I don't have his splits, but post-All-Star, he's definitely playing. He was playing a lot better before he got hurt. And we're still losing, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's playing considerably better. He was playing legitimately as well as a number two on a playoff team certainly should be playing. He was playing. I mean, his numbers, at least his offensive numbers, were better than guys like Bledsoe or Middleton or you know what I mean, like guys on like Tatum, guys on other teams that are playoff teams or semi-contending. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would think that that plus Kuzma was Kuzma wasn't playing as great, but I mean, he was still playing solid. Plus LeBron, you would think that that's good enough. I mean, I don't really know how you can blame at least Ingram and Kuzma. Um, Lonzo, I don't really blame him either, but it seems like what we talked about earlier, him being kind of injury prone, is turning out also to be true. Mm -hmm. Um, He just doesn't seem like he can stay on the court 
enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how you could put anything on Josh Hart. And so, I don't know. Zubats, obviously, he was playing great. And then we traded him for Eminem. I, I gave them 4%, which is the second least after Genie. One percent each. One <laughs> percent each. Correct. It's uh, again similar to hey, everyone played their part, right? Everyone played their part in this. Right. Uh, they all played their part in this. What were they supposed to do, <laughs> right? What were they supposed to do? They balled out. They tried. They tried to trade them, <laughs> very openly. What were they supposed to do? And they're still playing hard. They're still playing tough. Um, you know. What are they supposed to do? Right. I don't give them. I, I give them one percent blame. I give yeah. them the minimum amount of amount of blame that they should deserve. Right. The media. The Lakers were fourth in odds to win the championship at the beginning of the season. Obviously, that's n- not going to be true. I mean, some of that has to do with people just obviously bet on the Lakers just because they're the Lakers. Some people obviously bet on LeBron because he's LeBron. How much blame does the media have in the Lakers' failure this season? I give the media 22% blame. Whoa. It's kind of math at this point, but I gave Magic and Rob 20. I gave the veterans, young players, and Genie 1% each after you convinced me to change Genie to 1%. And <laughs> so I have to give the media 22%. If you're good at math, then you already know what I'm giving LeBron. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, to me, it's my second most. Yeah. You know, even above Magic and Rob. Because the media continuously, consistently guards LeBron James from any kind of criticism. Mm-hmm. And to me, that has done more damage to our team than any than really any other thing besides LeBron himself. Because every anytime anything happens, Right, like they're pushing LeBron's agenda from the beginning of the season, and I hate how the media just Windhorst. I think, uh, I think Bill Simmons mentioned this in his podcast, but Windhorst wrote an article at the beginning of the season when they made those moves about why they did this stuff, and everyone knows that Windhorst is he's the LeBron guy. Yeah, of course, uh, you know Windhorst, Rachel Nichols, uh, Shannon Sharp. You know these guys just deliver LeBron's message, right? They just say whatever the. Uh, also, Chris Carter, Nick Wright, you know, like these guys just say exactly what LeBron wants them to say. And they were all spinning that. Right. They're they're saying that stuff. They're trying to set it up to put LeBron in a position to succeed. They're all spinning the Anthony Davis has to demand a trade narrative. They're all, you know, sending out all those vibes. And then when that turns out to be disastrous and they're all saying they were all saying also the Lakers, you have to make this trade. Right. They say, don't make the same mistake you made with Paul George. Don't make the same mistake you made with Kawhi Leonard. They all spin those narratives, right? They all send that out. They're all saying the, the young guys suck. Like, trade them all. They, you know, it doesn't matter. And then when the trade doesn't go through, instead of blaming LeBron, it's clearly his plan. He didn't say anything good about the young players. And then remember post-break? When we had the one win against Houston, I think it was. Do you know what LeBron James said in the postgame interview? What? I like our guys. Mm-hmm. I like our team. Mm-hmm. He never said that. As soon as Anthony Davis announced his trade, LeBron never said, 
I like our guys. I like our team. I like our chances, whether we get Anthony Davis or not. He never once said that. Soon as the trade deadline passes, right, then he says it. And he said it so, like, go look up the clip. But he says it so, like, unconvincingly. It looks totally reluctant. Forced. Yeah, it's totally forced. It's like, oh, now you know you must say that. And the media does not call him out for those things. Mm-hmm. I I think the media deserves a ton of the blame. And of course, you know, they're not going to take any of the blame, obviously. You know, and then they just deflect it all the way from LeBron. It's Magic's fault. It's Palinka's fault. Now Magic and Palinka have problems. It's Luke Walton's fault. It's Jeannie Buss's fault. It's the young players' fault because they have fragile egos and they can't handle being in trade rumors and they need to just grow up. Media deserves a ton of blame. I give them 10%. Uh... I think for all the reasons that you mentioned, but I think this season of all the seasons of LeBron's career, there has been more pushback. So that's some credit that I give them for standing up. Um, but I give them 10%. But okay. Uh, I mean, we've kind of touched upon this this whole entire time. Basically, <laughs> basically this section is all about the owner of Blazing Pizza. <laughs> LeBron James. I give him 45% blame. Right. He, <laughs> we knew from the beginning of the season, I knew that when he came, he would destroy our young talent. <laughs> Mentally. <laughs> he would just destroy them. I knew he would try to destroy the coach. He was going to kick him out and bring in whoever he wants. Ty Lue, I don't know. Whoever he likes. Brian Shaw. Oh, uh, yeah. Probably Brian Shaw. I knew that the Lakers would sign anybody that he wanted, his guys, his guys. I knew he would manipulate the media to be able to tell his story, his narrative, when he wanted, when he wanted. And I knew, I knew that it would be all LeBron James' fault. (laughs) (laughs) I I wanted to give him 100% of the pie. Give but I have the pizza. But I, here's the thing: I had to give I had to give Genie and the young players the minimum amount of blame. You're all a part of this. The veterans suck, right? They suck, so they're a part of it. The media they carried out his bidding. You can't do that. Luke Walton, you carried out his bidding. You can't do that. Magic and Rob, you really carried out his bidding yep. many times over and over and over and over and over again. You can't do that. All right, don't be an acolyte. You gotta be a. You gotta be someone that stands up to the juggernaut, okay? But LeBron James, obviously, is the centerpiece to blame of this entire Lakers disaster. How much percentage do you give him? Yeah, I got fifty-five. <laughs> You're at forty-five. I'm at fifty-five, and together that adds up to one hundred percent. A full pizza. Blazing pizza. Oh, man. Oh, man. LeBron makes the freaking weirdest pizza. Let me ask you a question. Will the Lakers hit 35 wins this season? Because <laughs> if they don't, that that was last year's win total. Yeah. If you add LeBron James and he's worth minus one wins... <laughs> That's crazy. Doesn't this how? also show how strong the West is? Oh, 
you know, people are asking the question, will this hurt LeBron James's legacy? And I think it does major damage to his legacy. Yes. And it's not really even because of rational people. It's because all the haters are going to have a huge amount of ammo all of a sudden to say the first year he comes out to the West, he can't even make the playoffs. Mm. Aren't they going to look back at that eight straight finals appearances and say, well, he only won three championships. Every, you know, when he had to play the team from the West, he only won three out of eight times. Mm-hmm. All, all the people gonna, that call him LaBum. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to go back. And look at those runs and say, okay, was this, was last year's Celtics team really as good even as like Houston? No. Of course no. not. Yeah, of course, of course not. not. Right. And then you'll start looking at other teams. Say, oh, well, were they as good as this West team? Because then if LeBron were in the West, how far would he have gotten? Would he have gotten first round, second round? Then all of a sudden those finals runs don't look that impressive because you're like, oh, he's just stomping on you know, these East guys take the best guy on every East team. How many of them are even NBA, you know, all NBA first team or second team or third teamers even, right? A lot, a lot of those guys wouldn't make any of those teams. And so no. I, I think it actually is going to do damage to his legacy, depending on what, you know, how the rest of his time in LA goes. But come on. I mean, I know you're saying that they're finally starting to give LeBron some blame, but I mean, the ridiculous things that they say, he's playing zero defense. <laughs> he's playing, literally, he's playing zero defense. Like, he's doing nothing on defense. And yet, people are still using the stupid-hearted line of, but he does so much on offense. <laughs> and at this point, it's like, dude, I'll defend James Harden way harder than I'll defend LeBron James. Because... James Harden is leading his team to wins. So for all of his usage and for all of his, you know, stat stuffing and all that stuff, he's playing defense at least hard enough to help his team win. LeBron can't even do that. Mm-mm. He can't. He was on Shaq in the Fool. He was like all of them. He was all of them. <laughs> Throwing it off the backboard, letting the ball roll all the way to a turnover, getting pushed on def- pushed to play defense by Kuzma. I mean, what are you doing, man? You know what what B- are you doing? The b-ball breakdown guy says is that LeBron refuses to guard the center. He's the center. Yeah, it's like, but whenever you watch, right? Aren't you like, dude, why is Kuzma on the center? Yes. Yeah, you're actually like, what the heck? Like, why is Kuzma guarding Capella? Why is Kuzma guarding Montrez Harrell? Like, why is Kuzma on that? Why is Kuzma on Aiton? Like, and then they're destroying us, right? And the 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 people breakdown guy. I've got his name, but I should say his name. <laughs> Shout out to that guy, right? People breakdown guy. <laughs> There's another reason their defensive ranking has dropped so low, and a lot of the blame rests solely on the king, LeBron James. Like he he says that uh, LeBron James literally he refuses to go, like he runs away from the center so he can pick up you know, whatever other forward, and it forces Kuzma into the position. And I'm like, dude, LeBron, you're 6'9", like 280 right now. You can guard some centers. Like, just hold your ground. It, it's really remarkable how bad he is on defense right now. Like, how little he cares. And I, and I think that's what it is with a lot of people. It's like, oh, he just doesn't care right now. He has more important things to do. But where there's smoke, there's fire. That's what I think. I just don't get how he doesn't get so much of the blame. 
Oh, we give him a lot of blame. I mean, clearly the Anthony Davis thing was his idea. It was through Clutch Sports. Again, it was a Monday morning. Like, obviously, they planned this out. It, LeBron is the only one who could have planned that out with them. And it blew up in their face. And it totally blew up in their face. And it totally ruined our young guys. Again, yes, front office deserves some blame because they let it leak a lot. And they were just doing really stupid things. But that was all LeBron. LeBron distanced himself from the young players. He didn't want to be with them. He didn't compliment them. He didn't care about developing them at all. He's setting a terrible example. He's not playing defense. He's not. He's he's the one, and he's the one not closing out games. Forget about all the other stuff, right? If you're playing the Hawks, LeBron played in that game. If you're playing Memphis, LeBron played in that game. If you're playing New Orleans, LeBron played in that game. The Clippers, LeBron played in that game. The Suns, LeBron played in that game. And we had chances to close out those games. And he was bad at the end of the fourth quarter. He missed free throws. He turned the ball over. He missed defensive assignments. Like, he lost those games. He should get the blame. He's shooting 66% from the line this year. I think he's shooting 61 since the All-Star break. I, I want to know his free throw stats in the fourth quarter. Because he's horrible, man. I, I have never seen a star player miss more free... Not even Shaq in the fourth quarter. Especially crunch time. Oh, no. Shaq was good in crunch time. Yeah. He made them when he counts. He made them when they counted. He did. Even Shaq did. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. LeBron, go eat some Blazem pizza. <laughs> ten slices. Go eat got, ten slices. We got a lot of slices for you. That was Blazem pizza. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. We'll hit you next with our Why Are NBA Players So Unhappy segment. All right, we're back. Adam Silver was recently uh, had an exclusive with Bill Simmons at the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. And uh, he said this really interesting stuff. If you haven't heard it already, go go watch it on YouTube or go listen to it. Adam Silver very candidly talks about some of the issues that are going on in the NBA. But one of the things that struck me that I thought was really interesting was he talked about the unhappiness of NBA players. He says, when I meet with them, what surprises me is that they're truly unhappy. This is not some show they're putting on. We live in the age of anxiety, partly a direct product of social media. A lot of these young men are generally unhappy. Hmm. Pretty pretty uh, candid and kind of a crazy thing to say, you know? Um, I... I, I even just like just thinking about it, I don't know if you agree with these, but I think there are like some some examples of happy NBA players because I do, I don't think everyone's unhappy, but uh, Giannis pretty happy, Embiid, Luca, Steph is pretty happy, Dame Dalla, Paul George. I think the unhappy people: LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Kyrie, Tatum, 
Kawhi to some degree, San Antonio stuff. Blake, Har- John Wall, Harden, maybe. I think Wiggins is pretty unhappy. Then there's the angry superstars, Westbrook and Jimmy Butler. <laughs> <laughs> just constantly angry. They're just in another category. Yeah, yeah, they're not happy. They're not unhappy. They're just angry. <laughs> Man, I love Jimmy Butler. Y'all can't guard me? I'll take these third three guys. I'll beat you. I love I Westbrook, know. too. <laughs> the talent of not giving a you-know-what. So, do you agree? Are NBA players unhappy? Do you think that's true? Generally, I'd say, yeah. I think, I mean, but I generally think everyone's unhappy. Right. Just as a human condition. Right. I mean, well, I agree, you know, when he says this is the age of of anxiety and it being a, a product of social media, I totally agree with that. I think that is why a lot of people are unhappy. Um, You know, there's something that I always say about social media, like your posts can never compete with your feed. So the things that you put out, yeah, so the things that you put out cannot compete with all of the things that you see from other people. Uh, Interesting. So when you take something like Instagram, for example, you know, you post one picture. Yep. Right. And it can be a great picture. You can be, you know, on a beach in Spain or something, right? Like living it up. And you post that and you think, oh, wow, this is awesome. I have this beautiful picture and it's going to get like a thousand likes, like whatever, right? And a bunch of people are going to make comments on it. But when you look at your feed, you're looking at the lives of, you know, you're looking at the best moments of a hundred friends, 200 friends, 500 friends, you know, a thousand people influencers bloggers celebrities right Right. it's people it's some people you know it's famous people you know so if you like and you could be experiencing something really great and unique right like i just i just hiked in the himalayan mountains i'm gonna post a picture right but your one post is just from your life and what you're competing with in your brain is the is the best moments of a thousand other people right now Mm mm-hmm and some of them are rich and famous. Right. You can't ever compete with that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how rich you are or how famous you are. You are only ever going to be living one life. So even if your life is crazy, you'll only have the highlights of one person's life. Right. So even if you're, you know, you're Kyrie Irving and you look at your feed, what you see are other people are winning championships. Other people are having fun with their team. Other people have families. They have wives. They have children. You know, they have fulfilled lives or they're doing some kind of charity work. Or You know what I mean? There's tons of things that cannot be answered just from money or fame, right? And it's different for everybody. Everybody looks at all of the other things that other people are doing, and you can't help but feel like a certain sense of confusion about your identity. You can't help, help but feel a certain sense of inadequacy about your life. Like, why am I not doing more? Or why am I not fulfilled in these ways? Why don't I have a family? Why aren't I more successful? You know, why am I not having fun like these people? Why am I not traveling like these guys, right? I'm not eating that food. I'm not doing that thing. I'm not buying that. You know, so, your posts can't compete with your feed. That's To narrow it a little more, because I think, you know, people are generally unhappy, sure. But are NBA players more unhappy now than they were previously is my question. 
I mean, I say yes, but only for that same general reason, though. Mm, for the social media reason. Right. Because, so, I mean, just, just to kind of level set everything, the pros is the pros that people see. Pe- you're getting paid more than ever. You're more famous than ever. You're healing faster than ever, you know, thanks to the advancement in the medical f- field. I mean, some of the cons are you're more accessible than ever. Uh, you're, you're always branding. You lack privacy. You lack camaraderie. More accessible to women. All of them sliding into your DMs <laughs> and trust. People getting in trouble, yeah. And so, is this different than from twenty years ago? Yes, yeah, but I don't think it's unique to the NBA, is what I'm saying. Right. I think it's just everybody. You know, mm-hmm. people have identity issues. People have anxiety issues. You know, and and he was talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, Adam Silver was bringing up some of his concerns, I think, regarding mental health. Yep. And it's funny because I think old school players, like people like Charles Barkley, I saw a thing where Charles Barkley was on the jump, I believe, and he commented on it. And he said, so Adam Silver said that thing, part, uh, part of it's that they're a product of social media, or they ran the clip. What strikes me is that they're truly unhappy. And this was Charles Barkley's response. He said, that's the stupidest thing I might have ever heard any commissioner say. Listen. Really? These guys are making $20, $30, 40000000 million a year. They work six to seven months a year. We stay in the best hotels in the world. They ain't got no problems. That's totally bogus. Mm-hmm. And it's like I get that from – and I feel like, again, we're kind of in between you know, Gen Xers and millennials. Mm-hmm. And so I feel a little bit from both worlds. Okay. You know, part of me feels like – if you're on social media a lot, you can't help but feel anxious. You can't help but compare your life to the lives of other people. Right. You know, like, and there's there's tons of ways I think that that happens. But then there's also another part of me that feels like I can't just shut it off if I want. You know, I can just go away from it and just not not be on it for a while. In fact, I'm doing that right now for Lent. You know, I'm not on social media at all. Okay. And... Sorry, I don't know if you knew that or not, but I'm not going to post anything about our podcast, by the way. Oh, no, our <laughs> listeners, they're going to drop. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I and I put something out on Facebook before I started. And I've only been doing it actually for a few days right now. Yeah. But it's actually been amazing. Yeah. Like I can I can feel even only after a few days, my anxiety levels are lower. Mm-hmm. I'm generally happier. Mm hmm. You know, just and I'm just not thinking about like there will always be times where I'll see something on social media and then I'll just think about it for some reason. It'll bother me, or I'll get into some stupid debate, you know, on like Twitter or Facebook or something. Yeah. And then it'll bother me, you know, like throughout the day. Um, and that has kind of gone away, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm able to do that still because I'm not so connected where I ha- I feel like I have to be on social media. But I feel like a lot of the younger generation, like they can't survive without being on social media for like a few days. Uh, so one, one thing on that social media point, there was a study, research study done on uh, couples and couples that posted less were far happier than couples that posted a lot. Mm. You know, so I think couples that post a lot, uh, 
they are trying to showcase something. I, I think the, the study was done that said they were trying to showcase something that they didn't have. Couples that didn't post at all or very little were living in the moment, right? Mm. And, you know, and that's the kind of thing with social media, with this whole idea of it as, you know, as you're kind of talking about, right? Like technology was always meant to enhance the life that we had, but it's, instead it's made you more accessible than ever and, you know, social media, it's always next to you. I have my phone right next to me. Someone could reach me like this instant right now while I'm trying to film this podcast and mm. do it right now. They could tell me something that would be, you know, spiteful, hateful, any kind of dumb stuff. And then it could just wreck you. Right. right. And then it would just make you not able to do your job as well that you're trying to do. And, you know, even like work. Right. Like it, you're accessible at any point now. Like you get work emails at any time. Like when do you have time to unplug and not be around all of that? Yeah. Um. And and that that's that's this kind of pressure and anxiety building that you're talking about is that you're you you always have to be on kind of you know right. You you know the interesting thing about those guys that you mentioned that are happy. Right. Let me let me go back and see Giannis. Well, I'll take out Embiid for a second, but Giannis, Luca, Steph, Lillard, PG, they don't have big social media presences, mm. right? Like they, I don't feel like they're on a lot. In fact, Giannis said something recently. Um, he's this was I, I saw this uh, earlier today, but it said I'm not trying to criticize nobody, but I see a lot of young players coming out who think that by putting your name in the media, you're going to get the exposure. But at the end of the day, it's not about the media. If you don't get it done on the court, it's not going to get done with media. I don't get young players like why? It's so funny. He said young players. How old is he? Like, <laughs> 25, like, 24. Yeah. Anyways, but he said like why they try to allow so many distractions to get in their heads. They're all over the place. Slam magazine, GQ, whatever. Just stay in your lanes, get your job done, and everything else is going to come. And I got to tell you, those th this is why the people that you named in particular, besides Embiid, because I don't really have Embiid as being kind of a um, one of the guys that I really like love in the NBA right now. But yeah. all those other guys you named, I think that's why I like them so much. Mm -hmm. You know, Giannis, Luca, Steph, Lillard, PG, to me, those guys appear to be the guys who don't really care so much about what they're the way that they're perceived. Mm -hmm. Like they're very comfortable in their own skin. I think part of it too is that Giannis wasn't born here. You know, mm -hmm. he wasn't really raised in this culture. Same thing for Luca. Same thing for on some level with Embiid. Um and then you know I think like Steph Steph in particular, like I think the fact that he's a Christian, the fact that his faith means a lot to him you know, and he's kind of legitimately, that's a legitimate part of his life. I think that's where he gets his identity. So he doesn't need it so much in basketball. I don't know what it is for Dame, but Dame's just awesome. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like that actually really helps them a lot. I think they're just having a good time. They're, 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 they see it as an experience. They don't see it as something that is defining them. I think with LeBron, see, he, that's the key. Yeah. I think Which, with LeBron, it, like being the chosen one, being the king, that defines who he was, you know? I right. think he I think he's letting go of that more and more as he's becoming older, 
and he, you know, like, it, but it, it's the guys that are defined by championships. Like, I, like KD is the prime example of a player that's unhappy. Yeah. And he thought that going to Golden State, winning, winning a ring would make him happy. But it didn't because it didn't silence the critics. It didn't, you know, like he didn't he didn't get people bowing down. He didn't get people all these things. He got more. He got the same vitriol. He got the same hatred. And he was like, what's going on? I'll just win another one. He won another one. Same thing, you know, and now he's thinking about moving to New York because he knows that he can't achieve that level of happiness in Golden State. You know, but I don't I'm not sure I read that the same way that everyone else reads it. So this was a quote from KD. Yeah. Um, I don't need anything in this basketball world to fulfill anything in me. The NBA is never going to fulfill me. It's going to make me feel good about all the work that I've put in. But I think those days of me wanting to prove something to anybody or walk around with a huge chip on my shoulder is not my thing. It wasn't before, and I felt like I had to program myself to play with a chip on my shoulder. But I'm never good in that situation. I'm more relaxed and letting these days flow. I'm the best version of me. I don't feel like I need anything to prove who I am. I've been in it for too long. Now, this was earlier this year. And I remember when he when this quote came out. People were saying, oh, this means he's going to New York, right? Because, oh, like he's talking about he doesn't have to win championships. Like they were reading it in a very particular way. Mm -hmm. But to me, I see what I see KD as is like he's searching for who he is, like as a person. Mm -hmm. He's searching for what is actually going to fulfill him. I think it's much deeper than basketball. That's the thing, right? Like I feel like people like Charles Barkley, you know, Gen Xers and before – the, the way that they think about their lives is, like, very simple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm a basketball player. That's all I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my job in life. Once I'm done with basketball, maybe I'll move on to something else. But that's not the way that millennials think, right? And certainly no. not post-millennials. Yeah, it's no. like, you, you're very, like, people think of themselves in these very complex ways. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm not just one thing. And because of social media, because... Anybody can have a YouTube channel because anybody can, you know, make a podcast. We are, you know, case in point. People don't feel like they have to be limited to those things anymore. And so in in some ways, I feel like. You it's, know, cause, it, it's equity, right? It's it's what you're able to provide. It's uh, there was a study on. uh you know, on Gen Zers and brands, right? Mm. And they felt like they had something to offer a brand, whereas before consumers just consumed for the brand. Right. But they, but Gen Zers were like, we can be brand ambassadors, and that's valuable to you. We have something to offer you. And I think what you're saying makes sense. It's all these NBA players; they are uh, previously thinking of themselves as basketball is their profession right but now they think of themselves as kevin durant as the brand right you know that is me and every aspect of that whether it's social or whether it's the business or whether it's the commercials or the movies or the shoe deal or the basketball all of that is part of the ecosystem of who they kind of are as a business themselves as jay-z said i'm not a businessman i'm a business Man, man, <laughs> <laughs> right, and and that whole ecosystem is 
kind of what's crazy about it. And I think the biggest part is they're doing this at 19 years old. 19 years old, they're coming in and trying to be this brand, this business, and they're in a man's a man's world. And all these agents, all these managers, all these like CEOs are talking to them, trying to get them to do deals. Who can you trust? Like, yeah. who do you trust amongst all of these things? All these women are throwing themselves at you. And you get all of this limelight all of a sudden. Your followers grow crazy. What is real? What is not? What's tangible? What's not? And I think that kind of complexity and that really is, to me, is the heart of the unhappiness that's going on. It's there is nothing tangible to hold on to. I mean, I do think like mental health is a serious problem with this generation. And part of it is because there's so much, like, I think there was a point when a celebrity was different than like a regular person. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. access to celebrity was so limited. Mm -hmm. And so it was clear that there were certain people who kind of rose to celebrity status I mean, I don't think celebrities ever really been that easy for anyone to handle, even, you know, 50 or 100 years ago. But I think now, because the lines are so blurred, I think people don't know when they're putting on a show and they don't know when they're being their sincere selves. Mm-hmm. You know, when um, Adam Silver talked about mental health. So the definition of mental health, this is one of the definitions of mental health, but mental health is a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. So mental health has a lot to do with, I think struggling with mental health has a lot to do with an inability to perceive reality accurately and or being able to accept reality you know, and respond with maturity and be productive in society. And I do think a lot of these NBA players, they're kind of struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Like they're kind of struggling with the ability to perceive accurately what reality is. Because I think a lot of the crazy things that they think, like they really, they really think it, you mm-hmm. know, like, and they really, they really just, like, I think Katie really believes like on something, like he has a really hard life, mm-hmm. you know, which I understand you shouldn't like compare, you know, everything, whatever you live becomes normative. So if you're a millionaire, you know, and that becomes normal to you, then you can still be unhappy because you're not going to always think like, oh, but before I was like poor and now I'm a millionaire. But there's something wrong, right, with Kevin Durant thinking that his problems are the same as, you know, some somebody who lives in a third world country who, who has to like walk a mile to get water. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, if you can't perceive the difference there, like, if you can't be semi-objective about it and think, well, you know what, there are definitely certain ways in which my life is much better and easier than another person's, and maybe the struggles that I'm going through, though they're kind of, they're difficult for me, I understand that, but at the same time, I have to acknowledge that, you know, there are other things happening in the world. Like, if we're not able to see that and really understand it, then yeah, there's there's something wrong. Like you can't see the world for what it is. But I think self-awareness is different than happiness. Just because you know that doesn't make you happy. Right. I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying about, I, I think, but happiness is based on beliefs, right? 
Yeah. Like if Kevin Durant really he really believes that his life is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think in some ways he believes that he's a victim. Mm-hmm. But it's not really true. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because he can just turn off social media. Right. Right. Like he's the one going on Twitter and like finding these guys and like responding. He to is. Them. He is. Burner and accounts. Like making second. Yeah. Burner accounts. It's like, dude, just don't look at it. Yeah. Right. Like you're in control of that. Like there's yeah. there's yeah. kind of a victimology you know, with this generation that's kind of like, oh, but I'm just a victim of my society and like whoever's the president and like the way that the government is and like all these things that are happening in the world. It's like, in yeah, sure, there are things out of your control, but there are also a ton of things that are in your control, mm-hmm. right? There are things that you can just say, right? Like, well, no, that's not true or that's not, or you can just turn it off. You can just not, I mean, literally, a lot of these NBA guys, right? It's like what we talked about last week with Kyrie Irving. But it's like, you could just say, if you don't want to get into all this, just say no comment. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, instead of like building up this firestorm, just 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 say no comment. I'm not going to comment on that. Say that for five minutes, right? Before practice, after practice, before the game, after the game. That's it. And then just live your life. Don't think about it. I think it's the constant consumption that doesn't give you time to reflect. Because when you reflect, that's when you realize and understand and appreciate the things that have happened previously. And that's the piece that's missing with the social media generation is the time of boredom. And it's the time of just sitting by yourself. And especially when you're famous, like all, all of these things are constantly happening to you, right? And you don't have the time to just sit still. And, and right. relax and think about all the things that are going on in your mind, in your own mind and what's happening outside and how it's all affecting you. And I think that what you're talking about, the anxiety piece of social media and how you feel better when you shut it off is that it's that you remove a layer of consumption. Right. And that layer of consumption is giving you a, a chance to appreciate what's in front of you. And I think that's that's like a big component of this entire thing and that i think that gets kind of you know fandangled in this whole thing yeah no i mean uh, yeah i totally agree i, I like i think jalen rose was saying too like these guys about all this media stuff because you know kyrie's been criticizing the media a lot and he's like hey you only have like your only obligate your contractual obligations are like literally what i just like five minutes after practice and then you know, a little bit after the game. It's like, that's it. That's your obligation. You know, these guys, you know, TMZ is not really chasing them around, you know, everywhere they go, every no. time they go out, you know, to try to like mob them and stuff like that. I mean, they, they really could just be under the radar. And and again, you see it with those other guys. It's like Steph, he's got to be one of the most, you know, he's like the face of the league in a lot of ways, right? But you don't hear a lot of stories about him though. No. Right, it's like things don't get reported. His quotes don't show up in the media a lot of times because he's probably just saying generic stuff, you know, regular stuff that you always say after a game. You know, Dame is like criminally underreported on, right? Same thing for Giannis. Same thing for Kawhi. Like a lot of these guys, and so but I don't. It know. doesn't bother them. I think that's the key. Um, so. To bring, I, 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 I think this is all really good, fun discussion. And I think the, just to kind of narrow this into, you know, the future of the NBA. 
is this unhappiness that's kind of going around uh, stunting superstar development? Like, is it leading to underconfidence and underachieving? So I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, for a couple of reasons. I think as long as sports remains a meritocracy, it will just basically weed out people who can't handle this. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's not, I don't think like mental toughness has been something that every player has always had. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there have always been, I mean, uh, even you think about a guy like Kobe, the only thing that really differentiated him from like T-Mac or Vince mm-hmm. was just his brain. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it was his, his will and his determination that, that, just whatever that competitive drive that he had that wasn't quite able to be matched by other guys. And you look at a guy like T-Mac or you look at a guy like Vince, they had as much, if not even more kind of physical gifts, you know, talents, jumping ability, they could shoot, they could pass, they could do all the things too, but it just seems like they didn't quite work on their game as much. They weren't in the gym quite as much. They didn't have it, you know, when it really mattered. And so, Players compete against their own generation. You know, nobody from this generation is going to play Kobe or MJ or, you know, people from the past. They're going to be playing now against their contemporaries. And I feel like it is going to benefit certain guys because I do feel like a guy like Giannis, you know, a guy like Steph, like certain guys, a guy like Dame, it's going to help them to succeed because they're not going to be overwhelmed by a lot of the other stuff. They're not going to be as distracted. They're maybe not going to think of themselves as much as a brand, and they're going to focus more on basketball. And I think that will help you succeed in basketball. I I actually disagree. I think it will stunt superstar development. I think this new age, is it makes it harder to, to succeed. Because there's so many more pitfalls and mines, like you can't be singularly focused. Now, I do agree with like, you know, the cream of the crop will rise, but I think there will be less that rise up to the challenge because there's so much more pushing them down. Um, the only way like is to block out the noise, you know, and if if you're blocking out the noise and you focus on the task at hand, it's always easier to, you know, make sure things get done. Um, and I think the question for me, like the question for me is like, how do you succeed in this whole thing? I think for me, the biggest problem in all of this is friendship. Mm. I think, you know, friendships aren't made when the cameras are on you. You know, it's made when you take road trips to Vegas and you sleep in the car and then brush your teeth in the, you know, <laughs> Treasure Island Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> that's not specific that's not a callback or anything you know I, I i always think that friendship is like a blend of chemistry and history right like who you get along with and then the memories that you make together and so much of these dudes they don't really have any real memories with these guys it's all like yeah we played in the all-star game together cool you know, what does that mean? Like we text each other, like, you know, so much about these people, like this social media thing is, you know, so much, probably more than you've ever had about like these people's lives, strangers, lives, acquaintances, lives. But do they know you? Do you have any real memories with them? Have you done anything with them? Like, that's the kind of stuff that builds camaraderie, you know, and Isaiah Thomas said championships are one on the bus. And that's because guys are getting together. They're talking they're talking, they're hashing things out, they're making jokes, talking about their families, talking about their lives. 
cracking jokes at each other, you know, giving nicknames to each other, calling people Watu or whatever, you know, it's, 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 it's those things that help you trust each other when something's on the line. Right. And I think like, even for like ourselves, like, you know, we've been friends for a really long time, over 15 years, we've done a lot of things together. Like, I trust you that like when things go wrong, if I feel hurt or you insult me or someone else insults me, I know you'll have my back or things like this. It's like that natural instinct of everything that we've been through and the friendship that we have that allows that trust and that that kind of split second decision making that happens like when you're playing NBA basketball to the highest level, all of that permeates all together, you know, and, yeah. and comes together at that, at those moments. And you have to be able to trust these people and you have to be willing to put in the time to trust them. Don't put your headphones on. Don't look at your cell phone. Don't be doing selfies in the bus. Talk to your teammates and get them to, you know, build that connection with them. And I, and, even like an easy example is the Atlanta Hawks, right? They're supposed to tank and be terrible, but they're actually playing a lot better. And it's because Vince Carter, old school, our boy Vince Carter is old school and tries to get people to talk and hang out. They, they have a podcast, right? Him right, and Ken yeah. Bazemore have a podcast. Yeah. They're bringing people on. They're telling stories and talking about the locker room. It's, it, 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 those are the kind of things that are making people happy and resonating and having a good time. It, camaraderie makes you happy, you know? I mean, I guess I, I see what you're saying, and I, to some level, I agree. I mean, if the question is about happiness, then I totally agree. You know, um, if the question is about superstars, though, I yeah. think part of the reason that I think sports will be fine, as long as it remains as it is, like if something changes dramatically, with sports, if somehow it's less of a meritocracy and it becomes something else where there's like a handicap given, you know, in some way, then I think that could change it. But as long as it kind of remains as it is, the the reason that I think it, it won't stunt superstar growth is because somebody has to win a championship every year. Mm hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, regardless of what the field looks like, somebody has to rise up and win. Mm -hmm. And because it is that way every season, people are going to learn, you know, how to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe the one thing that I, I do think might happen is that people will just retire early. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like people might yeah. just decide after like. It's not worth it. Yeah. After like five, six seasons, they might just say, uh, you know what? I'm just going to hang it up and just start my businesses. You know, like I already made a hundred million dollars. And I have this really successful podcast, you know, and now I'm just going to do that, you know, and like I have a YouTube channel, you know, now, now that's going to be my, th I'm just going to cook on it, you know, like yeah. that's going to be my yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do DIY projects, you know, cause I love doing that. DIY like, projects. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, you know, they're going to do random stuff, right? I like fishing, you know, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a bass fishing, or a fly fishing, you know, vlog or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? I, I think maybe that's, that's the one thing that could happen because you look at like Antonio Brown situation. Mm. You know what I mean? This, this guy, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Antonio Brown is the one who was live streaming a huddle right? or, or like a locker room. Um, after a, I think that was him. Is that him? I think it was right. And it's like, 
that to me is like, yeah, that's the difference in generations. You know what I mean? Like you would never think even about doing something like that. Even if you're familiar with all the technology, like I would never think, oh, this makes sense. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to huddle right now and I'm going to, I'm going to stream this, you know, like we're in the locker room after the game and I'm just going to stream this live right now. So I can't even edit it or I can't even change anything. And I'm just going to let everybody see it. It's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And now, you know, what he refused to sign with Buffalo, right? He said, or he refused to go there. He said he won't report. And it's like, yeah, I feel like people will start, they might start doing stuff like that. They might say, you know what? I don't want to go to this team. If I can't go where I want to go, if I can't play on this super team, then I'm just going to quit. Mm. You know, I'm just going to quit the NBA. I'm just going to do my own thing. I think that could happen. You know, if there isn't that friendship, if there isn't that camaraderie, if there isn't that kind of like you're playing for your your guys, your boys. They're all playing for themselves, right? I mean, that's that's the problem with Kyrie in Boston right now is, is, right. is that. I mean, I guess the question is, do you think that that is going to become so pervasive? Do you know what I mean? That it is the predominant culture? Or do you think there will always be Stephs and Dames and Giannis's and guys who are just kind of about basketball and – you know, the the overall culture, because that's kind of what it takes to win. They're going to see people like LeBron and they're going to be like, oh, that doesn't work. You know, they're going to see Kyrie go and fail and they're going to be like, oh, that doesn't work. And so we have to kind of grow up and mature and build relationships and build trust and go back to what sports has always been, what team sports has always been. Or do you think like that whole culture, like that whole thing is there's going to be a seismic shift and all of a sudden every single person there player coach front office person you know president owner they're going to all be in it for themselves and it's going to kind of implode no i think there will always be steps there will always be honestes there will always be people that are team first that are veteran guys that are trying to make things do it the right way but I do think there will be increasingly more Kyries. Mm. Kyrie guys that will never reach their full potential because they thought about themselves over the team. And in doing so, they crippled themselves. Mm. They don't reach their potential. And I think that's that's kind of what I mean in in terms of the stunting superstar development. It's the guys that should be somewhere, but they don't get there because of all of these factors that we talked about today. Do you think that's happened already? Yes. Who? who? Uh, Kyrie specifically. Mm. I think KD. KD should KD should have already have been considered the best player in the league a couple times, I think, or have taken over. But he's always like two or three, and I think he gets in his own way. And, and I think John Wall is another person that I think about. I think Tatum could possibly be in part of this. But you don't think guys like, you know, Stephon Marbury or like, you know what I mean? Like guys from the you don't think there have been guys from the past who've kind of been like that, too? I I do, but I. I, I think it'll start increasing in more. Mm. I think there will be more. I think there it, it, it's not a complete shift, right? Like there have always been people that have been unhappy. There have always been people that have, you know, thought about themselves over the team and like, you know, it, it's happened, right? But I think 
more and more and more increasingly as uh, you know camaraderie leaves and social media comes in and becomes the pervasive thing, you know things change. You know, and I think that's kind of the direction that I think that it's heading. And until the NBA figures out how to coach and manage and teams and coaches all figure out how to navigate this new NBA environment uh, with these factors. Um, and I think they will. And, and, and I think they'll figure it out um, to turn a bleak podcast into not bleak. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was good. I think, I, I think I, you know. We don't, we don't always joke around, but I think this is super important stuff to talk about because I, I really think it's going to shape how the league is going to be moving forward. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back and we'll hit you with our team for the road. All right, we're back. Two for the road. Joe, what is your one for the road? Um, I was going to do something else, but I actually want to talk about this um, this uh, blog post, I guess, that I read um, a while back. It's from this guy named Cal Newport, and he actually did this thing. I mean, I, I talked about it earlier, but so I'm I'm not on social media right now. Um, and one of the reasons was from this article that I read. He did this thing called the declutter experiment. Uh, this was last year, 2018 in January. He wanted to be off what he, what he called quote-unquote optional technologies, including yeah. notably social media. So for a month, for the month of January in 2018, he asked people to participate in this thing where they would get rid of all of this, you know, optional technologies and then only allow them back slowly starting from a blank slate. So he expected to get around 40 to 50 people to participate, but he actually got more than 1600 people nice uh, to sign up and they even ran a, a, an article in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, after he did the thing, he was reading through some of the reports that people had and it's very interesting. These were some of the things that people said. Uh, an engineer realized how much of the information he used to consume through social media during the day was unimportant or useless. Mm-hmm. And with this gone, he returned to an old hobby of playing chess. He became an enthusiast of architectural Lego kits, <laughs> which he said was a wonderful outlet. Uh, one woman named Heather, a writer and a mother of three homeschool kids, she completed a draft of a book. Mm. which I thought was crazy. Um, an IT professional who said he usually reads like three to five books a year, he said he was on track to finish 50 books that year. And so it's just kind of like stories of people who just found that they had so much more um, free time, I guess free time uh, to pursue the things that they felt were valuable to them. Mm-hmm. And um he actually, this was kind of his kind of concluding idea, but he said, focusing on the most beneficial activities to the exclusion of less beneficial alternatives can leave you better off than trying to clutter your life with everything that might offer some value. 
mm. which is kind of what social media is, right? It's like searching a bunch of stuff on the off chance that you might find something of value. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said this in the end, the most productive and fulfilled people I know often got where they are by doubling down on the activities that return them huge benefits while happily ignoring everything else. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great, that was a great line. Um, and it, it was in part what inspired me to, you know, try this myself. And so, you know, shout out to him again, Cal Newport, um, you know, advice for NBA players to be happier. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You brought it all back. <laughs> try it. Just try it, Kyrie. Try it, Katie. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty cool. That's an interesting concept. Cliff, what is your one for the road? Doubling down on activities that deliver, you know, huge benefits. I watched The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> and Colton jumping the fence. They previewed it all season. It finally came. And boy, did it deliver. Colton telling Cassie that he loved her. When there's three girls left, he said... I don't, even, I don't know what you're talking about, so... You uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> there's three girls left, and he told Cassie, I want you to be... I want it to be you at the end of this, that he loved her. But she was trying to get out of it. She was trying to break up with them real bad. She's like, no, no, no. No, I'm going to break your heart. No, I can't do this. And, that's, and then finally, she, she gets in the car and leaves. And breaks up with him, and he was raw, and he like wanted wanted her not to stay. He's like, we don't have to get engaged. I just want to be with you. It was actually wow. the most one of the most raw, you know, bachelor scenes. Like it, it didn't really feel like TV anymore, or was it golden TV? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and he he took off his mic. He threw it on the ground. He jumped over like an eight foot fence, a gate. <laughs> And he just ran off into the darkness. Wait, into the darkness. To where? No one knows. Because <laughs> he, he just didn't want to do this anymore. The girl he wanted to be with left. There's two other girls. What is he going to do with these two other girls? I don't understand. Oh, my gosh. The drama is oh real. Chris gosh. Harrison always says, always says, the most dramatic episode of The Bachelor, but this really was pretty dang dramatic. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm shocked at this. I'm shocked that it actually lived up to the hype, because rarely does it ever, uh. but this one actually did. And, it, and, it, and the reason why it did to me was because it was real and raw. That's the <laughs> kind of stuff that I enjoy. Oh... Uh. Oh, so I love good. just watching the end, the end, the last episodes of the ba- like whenever Boomy likes it and whatever she's watching. I just like catching the last few episodes because that kind of dramatic stuff usually happens. It, it, it yeah, it's it's interesting because I I, I really don't believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> what like that it's real or that it works? That it works. It, it's it's such an impossible thing to accomplish. Right. Um. But there are really like moments where I think you just forget the cameras are there. 
and you, you, you're kind of just like kind of pouring it out. And that kind of just like, I think that's what real reality TV was made for was right. that when you can relate to someone like pouring their heart out and not wanting to lose something, man, it's good TV. Mm. Oh, it's, it's, it's good TV. <laughs> that's, you- that's what I need. That's what I need LeBron to do. <laughs> <laughs> With oh, Luke Walton. God. <laughs> Just be honest, man. Just tell him you want to break up. Right? Maybe an NBA version, some kind of NBA version of The Bachelor is what will save the NBA <laughs> and make them happier. They have these moments where they hash it out. They have these real raw moments where they just tell each other exactly how they feel. This is what we do on this pod. We have super serious stuff, and all of a sudden, we undo everything when we said social media is the reason, and then we pull it all back and say, no, more media. More social media. <laughs> Double down on activities that deliver. <laughs> we need more backstage access. We need cameras to be everywhere. <laughs> no privacy. I don't want any privacy. Following them around everywhere. They're wearing body cams all the time so we can see all their private interactions and all the things that they say behind closed doors about one another. I need to know how many times LeBron's eating Blaze pizza. That's what I need to know. <laughs> I can tell you now. Zero times. Thanks, everyone, for listening to The People's Pod. Subscribe, like, comment, share, rate, five stars. We'll be back next week with more nonsense. This is SBR with Cliff and Joe. Peace. Peace. Sagging loose, more punch than your bowl of juice, and ain't nobody yeah. more jiggy than us. Stuff so rough it causes hair rush like wood. You know what I also <laughs> thought at one point? I was like, maybe. Magic just got LeBron to come here to ruin his legacy. (laughs) (laughs) And Magic's real plan was to protect the legacy of Kobe Bryant and himself and actually re-elevate himself and Kobe into the GOAT conversation, getting them back up to tier one by diminishing LeBron's legacy. You know how that's true? If they trade him this summer. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> then it was true. Because not only did he tarnish his eight finals appearances by not being able to make the playoffs in the West. <laughs> that's one. Two, he's going to trade him away because he's like, you're not as good as us. You're not as good as Kobe or me. Like, get out of here. You don't deserve to be a Laker. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. That would be crazy. That would be amazing. There would just be a standing ovation in Staples. And then if he anointed KD or somebody and said, like, you're who we really wanted, <laughs> you will be you'll be the one. You're the true king. You're the hero we deserve. You're the hero we deserve. The hero we want and the hero we deserve. Not the chosen one, the fallen one. And then everyone goes. Tss.
<laughs> I don't care if people can't see this. I'm slowly recovering, though. I feel a lot more recovered this week than last week. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sometimes our content is so dumb. <laughs> it's just, I don't... Thousand listeners, I don't know how. I don't know how we got there. <laughs> don't know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> What's a show that's that that was getting canceled, but new actors came on the last season? Community. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. They're they're gonna be canceled every freaking season. That's too good of a show though. <laughs> Cause that's who these veterans are. Yeah, but they didn't replace anybody good. I liked the last season of Community. Did you like last season of Community? I did. I, I liked every season except four. Season four, yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. Have you seen Rick and Morty? I haven't. You told me about it. Dude, you gotta watch it. It's so funny. <laughs> it's Dan Harmon Unleashed. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, that's what you said. It's just like him doing, well, yeah, it's just him doing whatever he wants. <laughs> Do you think he's more of a genius after watching it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because when I watch Community, I'm like, dude, you're like a comedic genius. Oh, no, yeah, he totally is. But Rick and Morty is like so funny. Mm. Oh. But, it, but not universally, right? No, I mean... Similar to Community, right? Community wasn't, like, universal. Oh, no. It's even more like that than Community. Yeah. So, like, you have to be nerdy to, like, like it. Yeah, yeah. And you have to be smart, basically. Like, to, to like, 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 like those it. callbacks, yeah. like, inside jokes. No, he, he's he's really weird. Like, even, like, the finale of Community was basically a family playing a board game. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I was dying, actually. But it's, like, it. so funny, right? Yeah. It was, like, incredibly meta, yeah. Yeah, like, it was, like, meta, 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 meta. <laughs> and I was, like, cracking up, and Booby was kind of like, what's going on? But yeah, yeah. I was just, like, dying. Yeah. <laughs> it was so meta that they predicted them playing the board game as an ad. Don't you see? <laughs> Don't you understand? <laughs> it's all a game. I'm, like, I was cracking up. It's like we're in the game. <laughs> like it's Don't you see? But then he got more stupid, you stupid child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you totally see that in in Rick and Morty. Yeah. <laughs> but it's even crazy it's like more crazily ludicrous because it's a cartoon. Mm. And he can do anything. He can literally do anything he wants. The most, like, stupidest thing. Like, you're just like, what the freak? Like, what is this? 
That's how maybe, it is at the beginning. You're just like, what is this? Like, I don't understand. Maybe that's Magic Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? JaVale McGee? Rondo? Casey? I got, th- I got there. I did it. I did it. I did it. This whole rant wasn't for nothing, everyone. It wasn't for nothing. We got there. JaVale, Rondo, KCP, Lance, all part of his master. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just to make us laugh. <laughs> his master plan to fool LeBron. <laughs> to make him look bad. <laughs> to make him look good. <laughs> and then he says, don't you see? You stupid child. <laughs> It's all the game. It was all predicted. <laughs> we would not make the playoffs. He would be <laughs> traded to the Pelicans. And he shows him the script. He turns it around and he shows him. And then LeBron says, how can this be? And it's written on the paper. LeBron, colon, how can this be? <laughs> This is definitely the most off the rails. No, there's no way. This is not making it in. There's no way I can even connect this with anything. There's no way. This can't. This can't. This is something I'm just going to save and just put in a vault somewhere. And we'll just use it one day for something. Put it in the deep cut. Ten minute deep cut. Ten minute deep cut. I'll put a five minute break before it so people don't have to listen to it unless they really have nothing else to do. Everyone will be like, wait, the outro music's playing. Why is there 10 minutes long? (laughs) Oh, it's going to just sound like random nothing. It's just talking about like community and Dan Harmon. And then at the very end, something will connect. <laughs> we should just try it. <laughs> Who cares? Might as well. And you have to keep this part in of us talking about it as part of the episode. Because it's better. Uh. <sighs>